Two KG Sports Minds have created a podcast to answer one very important question. What's the spread? Now here are your hosts, Brad Thomas and Miles Markowitz. Welcome in, What's the Spread? Off and running on a Friday morning. How are we doing, Brad? Miles, it's another great day to talk about football. But let's just talk about our recap from last week. This was probably, honestly, one of my best weeks, not only in just what's the spreads bed, but my personal betting life as well, the ones that I put on Twitter, the ones that I try to tell my friends about. It was a great overall week, and honestly, it was a rough week for Vegas, too. I started to see the trends that a lot of favorites covered, and a lot of big spreads actually hit, which was pretty alarming. I mean, big spreads for the underdogs to cover, which which was great. So let's go through the week recap, and let's talk about how we did. You were an extra point away from an 8 no. Weekend crazy with uh, Minnesota. You were you were uh, seven and one. Uh, I'm over here at four and four. So let's go through them. Oklahoma Baylor. Uh, we had Baylor uh, plus ten. Uh, Oklahoma wins the game, thirty four thirty one. Insane comeback. Crazy. One of the games of the year. That's an easy win for both of us. Uh, Georgia Auburn. Georgia three point favorites. Uh, Georgia wins the game, twenty one fourteen. They covered the three points, so that was a win for you. Loss for me there. I took Auburn. Uh, pretty easy one here. Navy and Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame minus seven. They win the game, fifty two to twenty. So happy we both decided to uh, ride Notre Dame there. And then finally, Minnesota in Iowa. Iowa, three-point favorites in Kinnick. Always a tough place to play. Yep. The top 10 opponents. There's something about it. A late afternoon in Kinnick in November. And Minnesota's perfect season comes to an end. They lose 23-19, so that was a loss for both of us. On to the NFL. Houston, Baltimore. Ravens win the game 41-7. to They were four-and-a-half-point favorites. Win for both of us. Patriots, Eagles. Patriots were four-point favorites on the road. They win the game 17-10. Win for both of us. Bears at Rams in one of the worst Sunday night football games Boring. I've ever had to watch. Rams win the game 17-7. Gurley back in action. As six and a half point favorites, they cover. So that was a win for you. Lost for me. I went with the Bears. Uh, Chiefs Chargers in Mexico City on a Monday night. Chiefs win the game 24-17. They cover three and a half points. Uh, so that was a win for you there taking the Chiefs. A loss for me taking the Chargers. Their season uh, just about done there. So, oh, yeah. Let's go ahead and get into it, Brad. College game day, Columbus, Ohio. I know, you're super stoked, dude. <laughs> it's the game of the year. Uh, I mean, this is just one of those weekends for Ohio State where all eyes are on us. There is no other game on Saturday with more impact than Ohio State, Penn State, number two, number eight. Ohio State coming in here as 17 and a half point favorites for a big new kickoff. I'll go ahead and start here. Penn State... Three and five against the spread in their last eight games. Last week they were outgained by Indiana at home by a hundred yards. They still My found God. a way to win the game. But I'm gonna tell you right now, this is a Penn State team that is not matching up with the talent level that Ohio State has right now. I am going with Ohio State minus 17 and a half here with the big spread. And here's why. Penn State's one of their biggest weaknesses is the secondary, and Minnesota exploited it. They exploited it early and often. Ohio State will continue to do the same. Watch out for Chris Alave to have a huge game against that Penn State secondary. Fun stat for you. Ohio State has five wideouts between 15 and 37 catches each. Justin Fields knows how to spread the ball around. He's got the best touchdown-to-interception ratio that we've seen in the last 21 years with 31 touchdowns. To one interception. I think that this is going to be, and I and I wrote this down here, an Alabama statement for Ohio State. And what I mean by that is that for so many years, we've seen Alabama play in these big games, right? And the general public wants it to be a close game. And, and they want Bama to get beat. But then Bama comes in and dominates. 
and they win the game by. I, I've seen it so. I've seen the story so many times before. Uh, you know, when they beat LSU twenty, all those years they beat LSU by 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 three scores. This will be that kind of statement for Ohio State. I think Penn State uh, might keep it a little close in the beginning. I think Hamler gets a huge touchdown in the beginning. I think after we adjust, uh, it, 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 it's not even a game. I got Ohio State winning this thing, thirty-five uh, to thirteen. And also, you can back me up here. This is not a bias. Uh, prediction, because remember, I took Wisconsin earlier yes, in the year, did. plus 14. Absolutely, you did. So I'm I'm coming in here with a uh, uh, much different attitude and much more nervous about the game in Ann Arbor the following week. So go, you know, go Miles, I am so glad that you're saying this, because if for those who can't see me, I am smiling on the other side of this screen or, or your headphones, whatever you're listening on. I am as well going with Ohio State, and I am 100% in agreement with what you said, the entire public, the media, everyone thinks this game is going to be so close, but this is one of the most dominant Ohio State teams we've seen in a while. And they're not only doing it on the offensive end, which we normally see from Ohio State. This team is allowing teams only 9.8 points per game, and they are scoring 7, I mean, they're averaging 7.2 yards per play. Combine those two, you have a beautiful, a beautiful team that is destined to make it to the national championship. Penn State struggling in their last two games, losing to Minnesota, struggling against Indiana. Chase Young comes back for Ohio State. Ohio State 8-2 against the spread this season. 8-1 against the spread in their last nine games versus conference opponents. And what is better about this? Everyone says, oh, the matchup. But they're playing Penn State. They always throw shit out the window. The home team in this matchup is 5-1 and one against the spread. And this is one of the best, if not the best, Ohio State team I, teams I have seen in my lifetime. And couple that with a quarterback who has a great opportunity to make a statement, have a quote-unquote Heisman moment in this game. And it's like you said, it's a different Ohio State yes, team. Yes, absolutely. This has turned into an amazing rivalry over the years, especially in Urban Meyer's uh, tenure at Ohio State. But this is a different Buckeye team. And you mentioned Chase Young. If you watch the Penn State and Minnesota game, what Minnesota did so well was they came uh, with their front seven, and, and they had so many different packages, and they just confused yep. Sean Clifford for a half. He he eventually did adjust, and, and Penn State did um, end up gaining some ground there, but Clifford was confused in that first half against Minnesota. Yeah, And now absolutely. we got Chase Young back li- lining up on that side of the football. It's almost better that Chase Young got to take that time off to rest his body. Oh, yeah. I mean, he took off Maryland and Rutgers. So. Yes. That was fun. Wasteful games. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what kind of havoc he can have on Clifford's game and see if we can do the same thing that Minnesota did. Because I'm telling you, if you see the tape, all you got to do is exploit Penn State secondary. Yes. Indiana did the same thing. Uh, and that's how they uh, gained him and stayed in the game. Uh, so, Shoe's going to be rocking. I'm going to go 17 and a half points there. Uh, I know that was a little long-winded. Let's, let's get into the next game. Uh, Texas A&M and number four, Georgia. Georgia, 13 and a half point favorites at home. This is a 3.30 kick. Go ahead and start us off. Okay, guys, don't let don't overthink this game because if you think about Texas A&M coming into this game, they have been great this season. But what really transitions about Texas A&M, the, the, the two big teams that they've had to play, uh, Clemson and Alabama, depending on where you got the line versus Clemson, they either pushed, covered, or didn't cover, but it was pretty much a non-cover by game time. Uh, line and then versus Alabama they got blown out this season they're one and two against the spread against top I mean their last three games against top ten opponents are one and one and two against the spread but listen to me listen to me carefully Texas A&M in their last ten games have against as an underdog have not won a game and only have covered in four of them Kellen Mond is having a stellar season for his standards uh, what is that uh, twenty five total touchdowns six interceptions but these guys are atrocious on the other hand. You have a team who is taking away one of Texas A&M's biggest 
offensive attacks, which is the running game, Georgia is the top rushing defending team in the country. So me personally, I'm okay with taking the 13 and a half because I think it'll be a 14 to 17 uh, point victory here. Uh, what do you got going on this one? It was a good breakdown. Uh, I'm with you here. I'm, I am going with Georgia minus 13 and a half. Not going to overthink it this week like I did last week uh, taking Auburn. When, when I was uh, trying to think of my pick for this game, all I could envision, right, was if you put money on A&M, all I could envision was a slow start for the A&M, yeah. right? You're like watching always, the game, dude. And, and, and Georgia's defense coming in there, uh, just like against Auburn, right? Yep. I mean, it, it was looking like Georgia was going to win that game 21-0. to zero. Yeah. Uh, Auburn, good for them for f- finding a way to, to, to put some kind of comeback together, but I don't see the Aggies doing that. So all I could envision was Georgia going up 7 nothing. 10 nothing. Yeah. 13 nothing. You, you know, like slowly yeah, building just that, chunking it, it out. that SEC grinded out yep. game where AM just can't do anything. So I am also taking Georgia here, minus 13 and a half. I think they're really hitting their stride on the defensive side oh my of God. the ball. Uh, shout outs this year against Kentucky and Missouri. And I don't care who you're playing in college football. I mean, shutouts are impressive. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then, uh, as I mentioned, that, that game against Auburn, they shut out Auburn for, for most of that game. Before they just started playing prevent defense. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's, that's what ate them alive was prevent zone defense. Right. So I'm going with Georgia here. Kellamon is putting together a really good season. Uh, I've said it over and over again that I think that Jimbo is building something here at AM, but this is not the year that he's going to get a signature win. Uh, and I think Georgia takes care of business. All right. Let's go ahead and go over into the Big 12, Texas and number 14, Baylor. Baylor, five and a half point favorites at home here for a 330 kick. I'll go ahead and start with, with, with a five and a half point spread and how close. How close games have been in the Big 12 this year. I'm going to take the Longhorns plus five and a half and bank on a really close game. Combined, seven of the last nine games have been decided by one possession for both of these teams. Texas is seven and two against the spread in their last nine games on the road versus teams with winning records. We know that Tom Herman covers the spread as underdogs in big games. Yes. And for me, this game comes down to Charlie Brewer versus Sam Ellinger, who's going to come in and make more plays because I know this Baylor defense is for real. And I know that at times Texas is going to struggle to move the ball. But that Baylor offense, even in the Oklahoma game against the subpar Oklahoma defense, they didn't really show me much. Absolutely. They had the hot start, right? But after the hot start, I I mean, you had an Oklahoma defense shutting down the Baylor attack. So uh, I'm taking the points. I'm going to go with the close game. Uh, I'll take Texas. Dude, I totally agree with you here. Um, It's going to be a close game. I'm not a big fan of Texas this season, but if you honestly look at Ellinger's uh, season, 27 touchdowns, interceptions, although they get off to a lot of slow starts, they've been playing okay football. They're upset last week, close nail-biter field goal. But this defense, all they need to do, and and, and in their defense, they've been playing a lot better offensive competition, and their defense is not as stout as Baylor's, but Baylor's offense compared to, to all the offenses that they've been playing all season is not as good. I mean, this is a Texas team that's allowing almost 500 yards per game on defense. Right, and you also mentioned last week, I would not be comfortable betting on the Longhorns if they didn't play so well last yes, week. Because if you watched that game against Iowa State, that was a good Iowa State team. They covered. Yeah, and they played really well, and they should have won the game. Yes. So that made me much more comfortable, especially with Baylor coming off a tough loss and not having offensive firepower like like you would think on the, on the other side. Yeah, right? absolutely. The, oh, Baylor's going to bounce back here. But... Do they have the offensive firepower to bounce back? I don't think so. I mean, they played in close games all year against inferior opponents. I'm actually kind of surprised 
uh, that we get this many points. You know, I actually do predict this line that it go up to six. Baylor's looking like the popular pick here. I, I don't have the number. I think it was like 58% of the money's flying on Baylor right now. So if we can get it at six, this is a sweet spot to get it. And that doesn't surprise me, right? Because if you're the general public and you watched that Baylor-Oklahoma game, you know, you see, oh, well, Baylor went up 28-3. to three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but a lot of things had to happen for them to have that lead. I mean, you, you really don't see that very often. It, it, it was a domino. Effect. I think that, and, and I think this is, it, it's, um, the reason why Oklahoma only went up one, because it wasn't like Baylor took this massive lead and then they just grinded it out like Baylor and they were fighting back and forth. It was like Baylor took this lead and then Baylor turned off their let's play football gear. Right. And Oklahoma just stormed back and shut them down. Baylor, what do you have? This is your bounce back moment. I think that win or, win or lose, it's not going to be more than by three or four points. Let's move on to the next one. Next, we have... Pittsburgh at Virginia Tech. Both teams playing pretty good this season. Virginia Tech is a four-point favorite. What you got for us, Miles? How about these ACC Coastal Showdowns, oh, right? Man. I mean, really, uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Miami, all really, I mean, could win the division. Uh, this is a 330 kick. I think that this game is going to sh- uh, set up a showdown next week between Virginia and Virginia Tech for the Coastal. I think Virginia Tech comes away with the win here. I'm going to go Hokies minus four. Hokies are one of the hottest teams in the country, if you guys haven't been paying God. attention. They are 5-1 and one in their last six games straight up, and also 5-1 and one against the spread. And their only loss was a one-point loss to Notre Dame that never should have been a loss. And I think we can all agree that Notre Dame is, is a solid football team this year. Pittsburgh's largest margin of victory this year is only 10 points against any team. And that's against Ohio and Georgia Tech. Um, it's the same Georgia Tech team that Virginia Tech just completely blew out. Now... These are two very different styles of football, right? Pittsburgh is that grinded out, defensive game, you know, 16-12. You know, that's the kind of game that they want to get you into. But with the Hokies at home, and I think that Lane Stadium is going to be rocking for this one, and how hot they are, and the fact that they're looking ahead to set up that showdown with Virginia for the division, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. So, Miles, for me, I'm on the other side of the football, and almost for the exact same reasons as you. Pittsburgh, as well as coming to this game pretty hot, they're uh, – Six and one, uh, really good football. six and one in their last seven games straight up. But what really married this this uh, this streak that they're on was the defense that they're playing when it comes to run running the ball. Virginia Tech's biggest attribute for their team is running the ball, but Pittsburgh is allowing a little less than ninety uh, uh, ninety yards per game or ninety one yards per game. I think that. Pittsburgh is going to play one of those grinded out games and ha- and at the end of the game they're going to have the opportunity to win it. So if you're giving me an underdog that's getting more than 3 points and they have the opportunity to win it on the road, I'm going to take them. I don't see them getting blown out here, although Virginia Tech is playing very good football and they're very hot. One thing about Virginia Tech that year in and year out we can always talk about is their dominant defense. This year they are lacking that dominant defense allowing over 28 points per game. I am liking a grit grind fest with Pittsburgh as a live underdog in this one. You know, you know what the best part about this uh, Coastal Division race is, too, is that uh, I had Virginia winning. I think you had Virginia Tech winning the division. Yeah. So we're at the end of the year here, and both of our teams are in it. Crazy. Uh, such a, uh, uh, you know, random division to to really have a pulse on what's going on, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nuts. All right, let's go ahead and go into the NFL. Uh, we got the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are one and a half point favorites at home. This is a one o'clock game on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start here. I'm going with my boy Russell Wilson and the Seahawks on the road, plus one and a half. Uh, pretty much a pick em for me. Seattle, 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six road games. 
Uh, but here is the most important one. 9-0 against the spread. 9-0 against the spread in their last nine games as an underdog. Russell Wilson ha- is having an MVP-level season. That Eagles offense was horrid in that game against the Patriots. They're terrible. Last weekend. <laughs> and, and, and I understand it was the Patriots defense. I get it. But in the second half of that game, they couldn't even get a first My down. My God. Uh, which was really concerning for me. So, And especially with the Seahawks already this year going on the road in Monday Night Football and beating the undefeated 49ers. This is a team that's not afraid to play anybody. Please keep in mind, Tyler Lockett is questionable. But, but even if he does or does not play... Um, still going with the Seahawks. I'm going with the Seahawks as well because you're. Are you really going to sit here, Las Vegas, and tell me that I'm going to put my money on the terrible Philadelphia Eagles? The Eagles have only eclipsed 227 yards one out of their last seven games, and that was a big performance by Carson Wentz. I know this past defense for the Seahawks is struggling. Uh, I think they're ranked like 22nd. But give me Carson Wentz. Give me Russell Wilson. It's a no-brainer. Give me the quarterback who's leading the league in total QBR at 78 and Russell Wilson. Easy. 6-1 in their last seven games. 6-1 gets their spread in their last eight games versus Philly. And guess what? Oh, they're on the road. Who cares? 5-0 and oh in their last five road games. Give me the NFL MVP. Sorry, Lamar. Russell Wilson versus Carson Wentz. Oh, and I'm getting points? Oh, hell yeah. I'm taking the Seahawks plus one and a half in this one. All right, uh, America's Game of the Week, Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots. Patriots are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home for a 425 kick. What you got? Miles, you know, this one, I swear to God, I was like, oh, the Patriots. I mean, the, the Cowboys are going to come in here. They're going to upset the Patriots. And then I thought about the competition. When Dak is playing teams with winning records, he is struggling. He leads the league in passing yards. Great, Dak Prescott, 21 touchdowns. He's playing for that contract. But listen... Historically, they struggle against the Patriots, and this is the this is the game where this Patriots offense finally turns around. They get Isaiah Wynn back. That's what they were really missing was was that offensive lineman who could really set the tone, give, keep Tom Brady upright. Listen to this: the Cowboys are zero and six against the spread in their last six games versus team with winning records. Guess what? Oof. They're also playing a team that is averaging miles. This is averaging two point eight turnovers per contest, and against the Patriots, you know that they're going to find a way to capitalize on yeah this. i'm with you here it, it, going in right my heart wants to take the cowboys so bad. it's america's you, you team a plus six and a half Amer- all those points uh, yeah and, and it's funny that you mentioned the cowboys record against the spread uh against teams with winning records on the other side they're five and one against the spread in their last six against below 500 yeah teams. it's crazy so it really is a huge difference and this one is in foxborough uh against brady and they only have to cover six and a half so my uh, roommate is a huge Cowboys fan. I was talking to him uh, last night about the game. He's, he's really nervous and, and really excited. And I, I sat down and I said, listen, man, the Patriots are 14-3-3 against the spread. 14-3-3 against the spread in their last 20 games when they're favored by less than a touchdown in Foxborough. My and The look God. on his face. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so you're basically telling me we have absolutely no chance to win. Trends in this point don't lie because that is significant. That's very significant. I mean, over a... a, a, a 20 game period 14, with the same quarterback three, same coach with the same quarterback and the same coach it's just like our stats with them coming off the bye week right yep. I mean the Patriots are really not failing us this year when we're putting them on the podcast because these trends are so reliable New England winners of 20 straight games when playing in Foxborough Dallas is playing good football right now yep. I think Dak Prescott is, is is at the top of his game but as you mentioned the turnovers are a problem yes their defense is a problem I don't think Van Der Esch is playing in this game um they're struggling in the running game. I think Zinke only had about 60 rushing yards last week. I know the Patriots offense is struggling as well, but 
with them playing at home and only needing to win by a touchdown, I'm going with New England. Going with New England here, too. And one thing that I'm so glad you brought up, Zeke. Garrett is not doing a very good job of changing his game plan. His coaching is, is bad. It's like he has this book, and he's not allowed to waver from these lines that are on the page. It's not like he's a creative uh, coach who can adapt to the gameplay. So when Zeke is struggling, uh, we're just going to hammer it with Zeke, hammer it with Zeke, hammer it with Zeke. No, you have to adapt to what the defense is giving you. And this is a defense that will give you different looks or they'll do the amoeba defense, which you don't know what's coming at you, and they're going to sack the quarterback, get turnovers. The Patriots are 7-0 and against the spread in their last seven games versus NFC as well. I'm very happy in taking this. This is under a touchdown. I feel like this is free money for me. And I hate saying words like that because I might have just jinxed all you sports bettors out there. But guess what? I don't freaking believe in jinxes. Patriots are going to win this game. And give it time. Give give the six and a half time. By the end of the game, I think the Patriots are, are going to cover that spread. Yeah. Uh, you brought up Garrett, and you ma- you made a really good point there uh, about the inability to adapt. It's crazy. Uh, is is really what we're seeing, and I don't know how much of that is you know Kellen Moore on the offensive side of the ball, but you you can't blame the the, the young the young hot OC. Shot no, assistant, you are right? the head coach. You're I mean, the one who's who's on the hot seat. Garrett. Yeah, and, and you look at coaches around the NFL and around the league. You know, I, I bring up Andy Reid as a great example. He's the best coach I've ever seen as far as adapting yes. his offense to his players. And Garrett just really just can't seem to do that. Now this Cowboys team, interestingly enough, is kind of turning into one of those Tony Romo teams where they're just going to throw 400 yards a game on you and um, you know uh, not necessarily come out there in a shootout every week, yeah. but. Uh, they're 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 definitely changing their style, but it, it, their their inability to adapt like this year yes. is um, is frustrating. So, uh, as poorly as the Patriots' offense is playing, and I think that's going to be a lot a lot of counterpoints for a lot of people. Just look at the trends and look at the Patriots at home, especially in a big game. Absolutely. All right, going with New England. All right, let's go ahead and go over to the next one. Sunday Night Football: Packers 49ers. The Niners are three point favorites at home. I'll go ahead and start here because I went back and forth. Uh, I can't get the 26-11 loss to the Chargers on the road out of my head here. Uh, wanted to take the Packers plus three, but essentially like for me, when I see a three-point spread, I see that as a pick 'em. So I'll go with the 49ers at home. You know, it, it, they've been a tough team to gauge over the past uh, three weeks because they played Arizona twice, and to me, the Cardinals are such a enigmatic team because they, they've got Kyler Murray and, and they've got a solid defense and. They're kind of coming in with this new age offense. It, it, that's difficult for me to gauge the Niners. I'll gauge them on their performance against Seattle and that Monday night game. Uh, the Niners are only 2-2-1 against the spread this season at home. However, I think they're finally getting a favorable home spread here. Uh, please keep in mind, uh, Matt Breida, George Kittle, I know they're both questionable. Really important players for San Francisco, and it's a reason uh, why the passing game is struggling because Kittle is accounts for about, I don't know, 30% of their passing game. Uh, Packers are just 2-7-2 against a spread in their last 11 primetime games. And they are coming off a bye. That does worry me. You know what should also worry you? <clears throat> they are getting a healthy Devontae Adams back mm-hmm. this game. I knew you were coming in with this. I am not impressed with the 49ers. The 49ers' last two games were gross. Oh, that Arizona game, you would have thought Arizona was the 8-1 and one to 8-2 But the Monday team, night game was fine team. against night, Seattle. It was but fine. It, but it's like I said, they, they, they've they been tough to gauge because like yes. two games in three weeks against Arizona, it, it's tough to determine, you know, in You're, those games, they don't have to show anything in those games. You know what has been very impressive about this Green Bay offense? Without Devontae Adams, they're still scoring in the red zone. They're doing a very good job of scoring in the red zone, leading the league of scoring in the red zone at eight, uh, 68% of the times they go into the red zone, they convert with touchdowns. 
Most of that without Devontae Adams. 4-1 against the spread in their last five road games. Give me Aaron Rodgers with points. Sunday night football. Last time they played Sunday night football, sucked. Whatever. I'm taking the Packers here because I think they are the better team. I mean, look at them. Eight and two. What? what, what? They're just going to get defeated here and this great season that they're putting together, they're going to be pretenders and Rodgers not all that. Nah, throw that shit out the window. I'm taking Green Bay. I think Packers fall to 8-3. and three. They're going to fall into a tie or not, it depends on what the Vikings do. Um, but man, okay. I like being on the other side of the coin on this one. The last game we got, but certainly not least, the Monday night football game. Baltimore Ravens are a three and a half point favorite while traveling to Los Angeles to play the Rams. I'm going to lead this one off and I am going to ride the hot hand. You know what? Just like when you're betting on sports, just like when you're playing craps, just like when you're playing blackjack, pretty much any sport where you are able to press and put more money and ride the streak, I am pressing on the Baltimore Ravens until a team can prove me wrong. This team is 6-0 in their last six games. They're 4-1-5 and against the spread, led by the league leader at plus 120 in the clubhouse for MVP odds in Lamar Jackson. And also, on the other side of the ball, you have... Jared Goff, who acts like he got paid and forgot how to play football. The Ravens are the hottest team in the league. Easily. Uh, I, I'm, I, you have to take Baltimore here. I'm surprised it's only a three-and-a-half-point spread. It's because they're on the road, right? It, it, it's in L.A., uh, going across the country. Yeah. But the Ravens are 8-1-1 against the spread in their last eight road games. And on the other side, the Rams are historically poor as home underdogs. Yep. 0-4 against the spread in their last uh, four such games. 1-2 in... Uh, or I'm sorry, 0-2 in the Jared Goff era. So... All right. If you watched Sunday Night Football last weekend, yeah, Rams were at home. Bears team struggling. The Rams didn't look good. Not at all. <laughs> no. I, mean, I I know they were missing uh, Woods, right? They were missing. Yep. Wo- and, and Cup got and, shut down. And, and, and Cup got shut down. But uh, you know, Gurley ended up having a really good game. But the Ravens are putting together offensive game plans that are utterly befuddling. Defensive coordinators. I mean, the way that they're utilizing tight ends in the system, yeah. the way that they're mixing in Lamar Jackson's running ability, it's it's really interesting to watch because it, it, it's very similar to watching the Cardinals. You yes. know, with, with Kingsbury coming in with offensive game plans that are confusing defensive coordinators. Yep. Uh, so going with the Ravens here. I, I mean, the way that they... I'm not overthinking yeah, this one. Don't, don't overthink it. Don't. I, I, I don't like taking the Rams here, even with the points, because I think the Ravens could win this game by 14, the way yeah. that they're playing. Oh, dude, I totally agree. They've hit a stride, and I think they're going to keep this stride going all the way to the playoffs until they're really, truly tested. I think this is the, the, the season where the Rams really have to sit back and, and, and regroup for next season, because, yeah, they are a team that has every opportunity to make the playoffs, but they are not a team that can make the run. When you think about the Ravens, they see it. They have it locked in. And you know what's the best part about this? These guys are having fun. They're, they're having so much fun on the field, and you can see it. And normally, fun translate into success. So, Miles, let's go ahead and wrap up this seg- segment with talking about the segment where I promised you I would not get destroyed because your boy is inching back slowly. Up. And that is the underdog section, the doggy dogs. Only two weeks to go. Two weekends to go, and you are right behind me here. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the updated standings. I'm still sitting at the top with 44 points, but your boy Brad over there, 35 points. He gained another three on me last weekend. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our games. Uh, I had North Carolina plus four and a half over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wins the game 34-27. That was a loss. 
took Missouri plus seven over Florida. Florida took care of business, 23 to six. That was a loss. Uh, both of us had Texas plus seven over Iowa State. Iowa State wins the game 23-21, but we get the point for the cover. Booyah. Over on your side, you did have NC State plus four over Louisville. Uh, Louisville gets the 34-20 win, so that was a loss. But your big win of the weekend, Temple plus six Let's over Tulane. A 29-21 straight-up win for three points. You got two weeks left. Let's hear your picks. Miles, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I said it during the podcast. I'm going to take Pitt plus four at Virginia Tech with Pitt as a live underdog. Next game, which I also think is an insult to SMU, I'm taking SMU plus three and a half at Navy. And every single year, there is one big favorite that gets defeated around this time that really fudges up their conference championship hopes or their puts a little anxiety because it is the week before rivalry week. Rival week. I wasn't going to pick George. I wasn't going to pick Georgia to lose. And we threw that out the window. Wasn't going to pick Ohio State to lose. And we threw that out of the window. So we got to go to another conference. We are going to take Utah State at home versus Boise State getting nine and a half points. Boise State is going to come overlooking this game and they are going to get defeated. Utah State, both of our picks uh, to win the Mountain West. Yes. I believe. Uh, all right. I also have SMU plus three and a half over Navy. Uh, so you won't gain any ground there. Uh, but my other two here, I'm going to go to the Conference USA. There's some big games, by the way. Don't say that UAB game. Coming up. No, not that okay. one. But they, there are some big games coming <laughs> up in Conference USA action, MAC action. Yes. There's some close conference races going down. Uh, I'm taking Western Kentucky plus four over Southern Miss. Western Kentucky has done me well in the underdog section over uh, the past couple of years. And then I'm going to go ahead and go with the Beavers. Oregon State getting disrespected plus 10 and a half over Washington State. Oregon State. They are putting together. Putting together a quite the season. The over season there. that they're having is like, it's comparable to like an Alabama chasing a national championship. Like they have been historically so bad. But they are playing good and beating teams. Like you never thought Oregon State would have the ability to win multiple games in a season. I mean, they're four and three in conference play. God, beautiful. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and take the Beavers there. So we'll see if you can gain some ground. I'm uh I I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. I got a nine point lead here, but all it takes is a couple big big calls there for you to to, to gain ground. All right, let's uh briefly we, we we got what we got five minutes. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's let's briefly talk about the state the state of college football. Where are we at? College football playoff rankings. Uh, nothing changed. Nothing uh, changed. We, we've got LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Bama, Oregon. And and the big question for everybody here is 12-1 conference champion Oregon, 11-1 Alabama. But I don't think that it's that cut and dry and that easy. I think that there's so many factors that are going to go into how do these teams look. And, you know, if, if Bama comes out with Mac Jones, right, against Auburn and, yeah. and wins the game 42-7, to you know, something crazy like that. Then they find themselves right back in the picture. I think I, if they win I the game by double digits, especially yeah. because Oregon already lost to Auburn. Right. I, so I I wouldn't count them out here. Uh, and then you got Georgia and LSU, you know, destined to clash in that SEC title game. If if Georgia finds a way to win that game, then Georgia and LSU are going to get in the yes. playoff. Now, if Georgia beats LSU, so uh, would, would they be three and four? Like, would Georgia be three, LSU four, right? No, I think you're still going to keep LSU above them. Even if LSU loses to Georgia, yeah, a one loss. Yeah, that, that's that. That's what's curious to me. Like, like I would be interested because that that would shake up the matchups. Yeah, right, right in the top four because because you you, you got to assume Clemson I, I, I mean, will be there. You wouldn't be Clemson rises to the top unless Ohio State stays undefeated. Then it'd be Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, and Georgia, what or Georgia. If, LSU? What, what happens if Ohio State falls? Uh, I, I mean, there it, there could still be a big loss that could. What happens if Ohio so State teams. falls to 
Penn State. Penn State, right. So it's it's funny. I didn't even think about the scenario, uh, but my girl, Heather Dinich, who does a great job breaking down uh, the college football playoff race yeah. for ESPN, she had a scenario where Ohio State loses to Penn State and both make the playoff. Yeah. Ohio State and Penn it's State. It's doable. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, so that that's the scenario where two Big Ten teams could, could get in. So still so much uh, to unfold here. I Three still- tough games remaining for Ohio State when you think about LSU has one. Yeah, right. Uh, and you know what's funny? I, I actually think that Clemson is playing better overall football right now than LSU. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it, it's hard to argue with what LSU is doing on offense, but they're giving up yards like it's nothing. Yeah. And, and, and LSU is built like one of those, you know, they're they're built like a Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma. Yeah. Or Kyler Murray, Oklahoma, where they're not afraid to give up points because they know they're going to outscore you. Yep. But we saw how that worked out for Oklahoma in the playoff. You know, the playoff is different football. Oh, yeah. You need that dominant defense. And I'm just going to say, you know, teams like Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, you know, their defenses look really up to the task. I'm going to be really curious to see how LSU matches up against a Georgia defense. I'm very excited. And LSU better not mess this up for me because, you know, I still have that LSU wins the SEC. Oh, yeah, you do. I can't. Bro, I put that bet down on a freaking whim. Plus 12, plus 1,200. I would just be excited to see what happens with uh, with Mac Jones. Honestly, Mac Jones in his one game that he put, he started threw for almost four hundred yards, four touchdowns, and didn't even play the third quarter. So, well, you know, it's funny that you brought up Mac Jones because I'm so familiar with him, having you know known you and yeah. be familiar with Bama, and I saw him in the spring game, yeah, uh, live in person. Mac Jones is a good quarterback. Yes. Yeah. So I understand like Tua is like a gener- you know, a generational quarterback. You know, he's a great talent. It's not like Bama's got scrubs. No. In, and then the quarterback And room. we're blowing Tolia's red shirt. Saban already said it. He said we're blowing his red shirt because he has to be ready. He's going to play a good amount in this next game when we play Western Carolina. This the blind school whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. Um So we have two comparable quarterbacks. We have one who shown Big attack Mac that he can throw the ball downfield. Yeah, absolutely. And Saban, and he's got the best receiving core in the country yeah, to work with. It's unfair. And a good running back. Uh, and then uh, don't forget about Utah here. I, I hope that we don't see an upset with Utah and Oregon. I, I hope they clash in a Friday night Pac-12 championship battle, <laughs> you know, uh, playoff spot on the line. I have Utah winning the Pac-12 as another You do, and I have Oregon bet. winning the Pac-12. Oh look how smart we are. God, we, look at our brains. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Utah and Oregon was my pick, and that I mean, so 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 that's fun. Uh, Minnesota and Penn State, yeah, both still in this thing. Yep, uh, in in the Big Ten. Technically, Oklahoma and Baylor are in it, but it's really interesting to see the disrespect that the committee is giving the Big Twelve Conference because Kansas State keeps losing, dude. Yeah, that it, loss to Kansas State for Oklahoma is hurting right, them bad, right? And, and I think a lot of that too has to uh, do with just. Uh, the perspective of conferences, yeah, uh, because Oklahoma has misrepresented in the playoff so many yep. times. You know, I'll I I, I keep going back to um, that game against Georgia in the Rose Bowl, the overtime game. That was the only year that they belonged. Yes, because uh, I with Baker that that was that was a great team. But other times they, they just they've underperformed. Yep, it's the same reason why you know when Ohio State they let Ohio State in with as an eleven one team they got their ass kicked by Clemson. Yeah, and you know so the next couple of years they didn't get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think that's what's happening with the Big Twelve here. Yeah, and I, th- and I think the committee is making a statement that they view the SEC and the Big Ten as the two best conferences easily, and they, they've they've proved it this season. Yeah, and uh, still giving respect to Clemson deservedly so. Uh, playing dominant football uh so i you know what's funny whoever gets the number one seed is going to have a much easier game yes uh 
in that first round because whoever the number two seed is, they're going to play Clemson. Unless you get Bama. And Bama's never an easy well, out. Well, uh, th that's a good point. In unless you get Bama. If, and you know, all everyone, no matter two or not, everyone is afraid of Bama getting that number four just because of the coach. Well, in the last time they got that four spot as 11 and one, they won the whole damn thing. Yeah. So that's another thing to keep in mind, right? Uh, yep. It goes back to my point that I just had. You, you don't think that's going to be in the back of the committee's heads? Yeah. Well, the last time we did this, Bama won the damn with, playoff. With not that good of a quarterback. Y right. So, right. With, with that, that was when Jalen was starting. Yeah. They, they had to bring him to us. So, it, that, that's something to keep in mind here. You know, if if the committee do it does end up letting Bama into the playoff, it's because Bama has proved it. And they yep. proved it in that exact spot. I wouldn't necessarily call that, you know, an, an SEC bias. If they think that an 11-1 Bama team is better than a 12-1 Oregon, who am I to say so? It's, it's, it's like you said, Oregon lost to Auburn. Yeah. Who Auburn's going to end up with four losses on the season. Yep. They're what? the Like the third or fourth best? Or no, they're the fourth best SEC team. So if that's if that's how the committee views it maybe the Pac-12 isn't ready maybe yeah but this is the best shot that they've had in, in a long time and they need Oregon to take care of business yeah I still think watch for an upset here between either an Oregon or Utah to slip up we got two weeks left yes two uh lazy lackluster games that don't really mean much this Arizona State game for Oregon is no cupcake it's, it's either. no cupcake Arizona Road State game. Herm Edwards yeah they've been playing tough uh, they've been playing opponents tough all year so that's my rant for the day I'm just excited. I, I got it all out. The, the heavy part of football is coming to me. I, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this so another freaking person doesn't doesn't ask me again because I'm sick and freaking tired of getting asked this question. If Alabama gets left out of the playoffs, will I be upset? No. My main reason I say this time and time again, I am a football purist. First thing I do, I love football. Second thing is I am an Alabama fan. What that means is if I were to be upset that Alabama get left off, that would be because Alabama went undefeated and they were left out. If you want to get in and you play in a Power 5 conference, win every single game on your schedule and you will be in the playoffs. So stop asking. Like Sam said, so quit asking. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm so done. Asking. I'm done. I'm not answering it. My favorite saving meme of all time. Uh, let's just all agree that it's time for Ohio State to get in here and, and, and win the damn thing. Right? Well, you guys let's, get let's in and Bama agree. doesn't. You already know I'm rooting for your boys. Yeah, but 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 it's like you said. I, I have the same uh, you know uh, opinion of Ohio State losing a game in a season. Yeah, and, and I tell all all my other Buckeye fans, hey, if you win every game in front of you, you're gonna get in. Yep. Um, you know, and, and and unfortunately, Ohio State has seen a lot of those bad losses over the years that have kept them out of the playoff. Absolutely. I mean, you, you you can't lose those games because these other teams. I mean, look at last year; we had four undefeated teams in. Yep. If you win every game, you're in the playoff. You're in. Then there's no debate. Yep. Totally agree, guys. Listen, you know what? I'm so sick and tired of you guys listening to the podcast and not rating us, not subscribing. But I do love that you guys listen. But let's get some interaction. Let's get some ratings, some reviews, comments. We're on Twitter at what's the spread underscore. That's what's the spread underscore. Yeah, we have the underscore. It kind of freaking sucks. But please comment. Tell us the games you like, the games you hate. We're on Facebook at what's the spread. We're also on Instagram posting our picks. So uh, let's get some interaction, y'all, because we want to talk back to you and listen to your bets. We are here to give you advice on even games we do not cover. So be sure to download, subscribe, rate, what's the spread. And I hope you guys have a money-making weekend.